Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, today on the podcast, we're talking about sort of emotional journeys and dealing with our past and all of these sorts of things. And uh, we also deal with a few questions from you, quite a few questions from you about that process and about what's it mean to member, be a member at South and uh, a question from a previous week. So that sounds very convoluted, but we're going to dive right into the episode and you'll find out as we go. We are supposed to go live. Yeah. We're just I've been starting this episode with really bad accents you, the last uh, yeah, few. I don't know. What, is that a nervous thing? I don't have a microphone. Oh, man. We're such pros. Is, is it a nervous thing? Yeah, I don't know. Am I, I mean, nervous I about this I podcast? Know. I mean, just like, is it like a, like a distracted type thing? You're going on retreat, so maybe you're just like, you're actually halfway to Sacred Heart, or are you going? That's right. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was that's possibly the most insulting British accent I've ever heard. I feel actually just belittled. Well, uh, have you but, ever heard yourself do an American accent? Yeah, it's awful. Laura's yeah. told me multiple times. Yeah, there's actually. You know, I love that. That was one of the things you boasted about when you first took this job is how good your American accent did was. Did I really? I thought yeah. you said how bad he was. No, you said it was. Oh my! It's really, really good. I don't know. Just man. wait till I use I it in a know. service, yeah. and then you did, and we're like, "Oh, I see what you did there." Yeah. You like played it up just to make it even more <laughs> comical. Hey, man! Stop talking bad about my accent, man. <laughs> 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 wow. Um, all right. I'm trying to like, <laughs> trying to shift gears here. What are we doing here? What is this uh, podcast yeah. called? Um, we're Red supposed to talk Couch. about. Welcome to the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Yes. All right. So one, I learned one thing from multiple comments that came in. And one of our quote unquote questions that came in this week, I learned that people like you better than they like me. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. I think this was a fully objective comment. Yeah, so someone came rushing to Alex's defense about the whole uh, Broncos not making it to the playoffs uh-huh. joke that Alex made a few weeks ago. Yeah. And they're like, funny is funny. I'm a Broncos fan, but that was funny. And I was poking fun at Alex that no one thought it was actually funny. Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, so that's that seems like a classic excuse for someone who made a comment they really you know thought was true and then found out they were wrong. That was just a joke. Uh, yeah, well, uh, clearly nothing I said was either funny <laughs> or or true. So uh, y'all rushed to Alex's defense. Fair enough. Fair enough. You evidently was funny. It was genuinely funny. I don't always think the things I say are funny. I regularly don't and find out that they're regularly not as well. But it, that was genuinely a moment where I was like, I'm, I'm so pleased with that comment. I know it you were. tripped off the tongue. It showed so much <laughs> that you were pleased with it. It's like when a comedian, like most comedians <laughs> when they are, well, I guess there's a style. There's a there's style. A style. There. Yeah, there's a like, style. I remember the first time my wife told me a joke. It took her like 15 minutes to get to the punchline because she was laughing so hard. And then by the time the punchline came, it was like, rant, rant. So anyway, the point is, it was funny. The Broncos are terrible and everyone likes it. After you said people were genuinely upset, I went back and watched it. And I actually came away with the feeling, I regret nothing. No, did I actually say people were genuinely yes, upset? Yes. Now I have to go back and watch you saying that to make sure, but yes. Yeah, I must have come across yeah. as a little bit too genuine. Maybe. In my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I, I don't think you felt bad for them being upset. I think you're a little bit like, yeah, maybe just holding on to the Broncos too tightly. Well, I just think it was like I had a few people comment that it was like, well, my daughter said, I thought people were going to rush the stage. Now he said it jokingly too, but like it was sort of that like, Oh, ah, I I think it's, I I also think that I've lived in cultures that take sports a lot more as much as people love the Broncos here. I think like you you live in Michigan where there's no mountains to go to in the winter and there's (laughs) no like, you know, and it's gray a lot more. Um, I remember once doing an illustration around Michigan and Michigan state. Yeah. And talking about just, you know, something about identity. And I had shirts from each of the teams that I'd 
been holding to demonstrate or had people wearing or something and and in a, i ended up hanging them on the, the the like the pulpit or the lectern that was on the stage um and i i didn't really think about it but the michigan state one was in front of the michigan one and a guy walked all the way from the back of the room to move them the other way around <laughs> like he was so passionate and believed that was okay in the middle of a service that had you know, a good <laughs> 300 odd people in it uh, and everyone cheered and clapped like that there's a level of passion and and potentially vitriol um well there you in go michigan but i don't think is necessarily as true here well i you know i'm really glad i'm really glad that someone went out of their way to defend yeah, their I, pastor I, I, that's I probably a good move it. yeah um just just so you know alex and i are good we don't no. hate each other i mean he might hate me but i don't no, hate no, him no, 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 um no, no. but yeah so we're good um yeah. it was it was a very timely placed very spicy comment <laughs> that evidently was just pure funny i, and I no, actually no tension whatsoever. it always makes me think about just how <laughs> like yeah and maybe i said this the other week but you, you kind of try and plan a little bit of humor at times just because otherwise it yeah. get, it can feel heavy like especially around easter and christmas or in this easter and christmas services i'll always try and think you know i think we talked about this at easter right i was all the way in the couple of weeks before when you said how do you feel about the sermon i'm like i feel good like i feel like it's structured organized i'm just there's a there's some levity missing that i just don't know where and then I'm, I'm always like, it. why do we need levity? You should just go all dark all the time. To be fair, au contraire, I feel like we landed in this good space of Advent because I teased you about not being able to take the worship dark. And then you did. You were like, yeah, watch me. That's <laughs> so right. So I feel like. Yeah. It's like Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's dark. No hope in the world. <laughs> Everything is bad. Another is yes. See, so, I don't know, man. So I, 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 yeah. my feelings when there's new people in the building when they're figuring out, like it's, a, it's a kind of, it's a, it's for some people, it's a, it's a new practice to sit and listen to someone talk about religion. Yeah. Um, and so even just like tapping into some of their, this isn't a religion, Alex. So you're in one of those moods today. I can tell I you. Am. You're gonna just be, yeah. <sighs> This is I just, just wanted someone to rush to my <laughs> It's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. I'd love it if we got 20 comments of people saying I was genuinely mad just to make you happy. I don't actually I don't think they're out there. No. Because it was not like well, that kind of I mean it's sports. Yeah. Well, like, well. Even like a super, super diehard fan yeah. might have been like, eh, Yeah. I yeah. mean that's clever. They, that, they could acknowledge that it was clever. Yeah. And I think that that the interesting thing is I was I was talking to uh, a friend at the church the other day and we were talking about um we were actually talking about football we were talking about the detroit lions uh, it's my nfl team and they're you know doing well in the playoffs and all those different things uh-huh. and then i just yeah. had michigan just won um what hmm, won the won the national championship in college uh, but we how were much just, can you bench press oh, and how great is your yeah, hair so yeah. oh sorry carry on um, <laughs> but we were we would we would we were just rem- or talking about how hmm. he was recalling the broncos winning the super bowl in 2016 was it something like that yeah. and like it was super exciting it, it was amazing like so and he said then the next day i woke up i was just like yeah like, okay like i didn't do anything it's not like a personal achievement. It was exciting. It felt like, and and that is the sadness almost of sports that you realize, like, especially if you're following Jesus, it pales in comparison to such a degree. Yeah. That's exciting in the moment, but then afterwards you kind of like, okay, what? Like, you know. Absolutely. It's so. It's, it's empty in the, in the long run. And, and so. that, that. Uh, my brother plays a lot of video games. Uh, World of Warcraft is one he plays a lot. And, and they're specifically designed to release in achievement endorphins at just the right time to keep you playing. Yeah. So it's like, oh, good job, you. Oh, good job, you. Oh, good job, you. And I, I, used, I used to play this online soccer management game. It was like this game where you would manage a team and you buy players and stuff. And, and I, always got, I could get really immersed in it and I could play it for hours. You'd look at your stats and it, and like they'd always come with some humor, like it'd give you the time of amount of time you've played, and then like there'd be a little like prompt, like have you remembered to change your underwear recently? Probably time to take some sleep or something like that. Like yeah. it was just a little salty remark. Yeah. Uh, and and what I realized is there comes this moment where you've achieved all the endorphins, but the game can keep on going, and there's nothing left for it to give you. 
Yeah. And, and so you just kind of like, then you land in this space of habit of just, you keep tapping, but there's nothing, there's no joy anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think those releases and those different like ways that whether sports or online games or whatever can, can throw those things at you yeah. and actually make you miss life. It's just a fascinating thing. It is. So well, we have as, yeah. multiple questions to deal with today. So we're going to try and no, dive gonna in. Tell me to be quiet. I'm going like to, yeah, it, I'm yeah. just, I'm, I'm going to be the slave driver today. So you can go on your retreat earlier. We're all business today. <laughs> so you can leave earlier. Yeah. So I'm, I'm salty today because of this. Yeah. Anyway, so. We're if you have a pressing what did you problem Aaron needs to solve, so we can't leave at one o'clock. Wait, wait, what was that? <laughs> uh, so I talked on Sunday. We've been doing this series that we call Mindset. It's around mental health. It's 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 an interesting one because it's not like the whole picture. I just picked some nuggets out of a book that I was reading and thought, oh man, those are things that really feel like I'd love the community to hear more on. So if you've ever never had a chance to read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, it's a great read. Pete Cesaro is a guy that has been through some trauma. Of He was a pastor of a very successful church, really started to blow up on him. One of the key stories is he says, you know, at one point, my wife came to me and said, you know that church you pastor? I'm no longer a member of it. <laughs> she basically just quit because she said, I don't want to follow anybody uh, who leads like you lead. Um, just because he, he was in this really unhealthy place. Uh, and so it, it's a it's a subject that affects everybody. Um, so so the week before we'd kicked off with this idea of of authenticity, um, and then this week I really wanted to tap into the idea of how we reflect on the past because we all do. Yeah. Uh, and and there's a healthy way to do that. And there's a double edged sword to the past. Right? Yeah, yeah. So so it's it's a it's a thing that like it shapes us. Your family history shapes you in good ways and bad ways. You have memories that like, you, you know, if you go watch the movie inside out, what do they talk about? Like, um, like it's like keystone memories or something like that. Like yeah. it's a, it's a thing that like has got you to where you are. Yeah. And it, and if it gets like pulled out from under you, then, then everything can feel like it's toppling. So there's good ways to look back on the past like you can get your value systems from the past. You can get uh, your sense of uh, how you live out your life in the past. But then there's also some really negative ways to live in the the past. And then, so, so it was just fascinating looking at some of the brain science behind it. Because one, people can't even figure out how many thoughts you have in a day. Like that feels like we should know that about humans. Yeah. Um, 6,000 to 60,000 was the general the range. Like, yeah. range. Yeah. And it really depends on that where kind of it feels like trying to define consciousness. So yeah. yeah, it's pretty complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's like all of this like disagreement there, but then there is this kind of maybe a consensus that around 10% of our thoughts are invasive. So they just like, they kind they seem to come out of nowhere. It can be anything from like, just wondering like, what do dogs dream about? Like, where did that thought come from? Wasn't planning on it. Wasn't part of my planned day. Yeah. Uh, all the way through to, well, I wonder, wonder what happened if I just walked over and punched that guy in the face. Like it could be, I mean, it could be anything. Like it could be anarchistic <laughs> types of thoughts. could be sexual thoughts. You have to be careful with how many examples you get. People start thinking you're crazy, yeah. even though they know that they think the same things. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh, I yeah. can't believe you said that out loud. Yeah. And, and some, for like, some, <laughs> yeah, some people, it could be just like, what, what, would, what about if I just quit my job? Uh, just, yeah, it didn't seem to come out of anywhere. Like it just, and that actually the whole of your life can turn on based on one of those thoughts as well. Um, and then about 75% of those are, are like negative or unwanted uh, things that we're trying to get rid of. And it seems like the general conclusion is actually a really bad practice is just trying to trying really hard to stop the thought occurring to you. And, and that I think as Christians is a fascinating thing because, because I think we tend to think, Oh, if I'm more like Jesus, I shouldn't think those things ever. Yeah. Um, and actually, the 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 overarching story seems to be no. It's what you do with that thought, and actually, yeah, just trying to fight it back is not key. Actually, just moving on to something healthy and good. Like I think it's Philippians that phrases it. Whatever, so it's good. Whatever's good. Whatever's lovely. Um, think on these things. Yeah. Um, 
so I think that actually brings us to a, a natural mm-hmm. one of the questions that came in. Um, so let me see if I can find the right one. Let's see. Yeah. So this question came in not being stuck negatively in the one's past. Well, how would you say this sermon topic relates to someone getting back to their past to process old traumas? Yeah. I've heard Christians say, why are you dwelling on that? You need to let it go or those sorts of things. In other words, is Paul saying that it's wrong to try and process old traumas? Yeah. And and I think that, that, because that's kind of what it sounded like just a second ago. Yeah. So it, yeah, it shouldn't, and I don't think it did it in the sermon because I, I think I tried pretty hard to make sure that when actually you know, processing the past and learning from it is a really healthy thing. I think some of that, that feeling or sense that that's what it's, the passage is talking about comes from our English word forgetting, which probably isn't the best word. Okay. So, because we, when we think about forgetting, tend to think about like, I'm going to throw it in. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to choose to, to not remember it anymore, which, which actually might just be a poss- an impossibility. I think a better, like, that's why I gave the translation to not dwell on it. Um, because living there is not the place God caused you to live. So the, the idea of processing trauma is always to learn from it and move beyond it. It's never to stay there. Yeah. So, so what's the difference between dwelling? And, yeah. So, so, is there a number of hours I that don't it think would there count? Is. No, so that. No, so, how do you distinguish what's a healthy approach to dealing with trauma? So, I think a, I think so a good question would be like I, I think I use multiple times the word ruminate. Like, so ruminate tends to be like a purposeless fo- fixation on something that's happened. Yeah. Um, processing of trauma is bringing it into the light of today and asking how can it be healed. So the, some of the examples that I tried to give at the end would fit into that category. It's one thing to sit there thinking, oh, man, I'm so embarrassed by that conversation I had with that person. And I said all of these stupid things and I'm just like, oh, they'll never respect me again. They'll never like me again. I, yeah, Everything's a mess. Versus saying, yeah, there were some ways I wish I could change that conversation. I'm going to reach out to that person and either apologize if that's necessary, clarify if that's necessary, uh, or, or create opportunities for new conversations that will heal the rift. Yeah. So so the, the one is a healing strategy that, that is a current plan for the present moment. Um, the other one is a, a rumination, a living dwelling in the past that actually is, is healthy for no one. It doesn't change anything doesn't heal anything it just allows you just to cycle over and over the the same situation yeah so i mean i'll just reiterate that because i think that's so important um and i'll just say it in my own words just because i think it's so that important is uh what i'm hearing you say is one is is this dwelling is sticking back there but it doesn't change anything no. positively towards the future so you said said it how, how did you say it a current a current plan, plan. for a present moment that yeah. so sit with that for a second yeah. current plan for the present moment that might be based upon a processing totally. of the past yeah absolutely so that's regularly that's the answer this, that. yeah like in in loss grief well actually gratitude for what was given is maybe part of that strategy yeah which in, you talked about in yeah. a broken relationship um an olive branch is a current plan for a present strategy in looking back and seeing ways that you've had success and now life feels meaningless, uh, planning on creating new moments because you've enjoyed past moments is a current plan. There's lots of, in almost everything, there's yeah, a current so plan. So a lot of counselors who deal with trauma, one of the things they do is they re, re-narrate those mm-hmm. trauma moments, yeah, which is also a current plan. Yeah. So when those things creep up, you know, for example, like a Christian counselor might go back and you're like reliving a moment when your parent was just like berating you uh-huh. for being stupid or something. And you could go back to that memory and where's Jesus in this moment? Yeah. Is he grieving over this trauma that you experienced? Is he holding you? Yes. Is he, uh, what's his posture in that moment? And then trying to retrain your mind to, yes, 
you'll visit that moment again. But the next time you visit it, remember that in the corner of the room, you see Jesus with mm-hmm. tears on his face yeah. reaching out to you or you see him between you and the parent mm. who's yelling, whatever it may be that you visualize yes. where suddenly that's a, when this trauma haunts me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a strategy for actually dealing with that trauma yeah. and moving forward. So, so it's fascinating that I think we often, especially if we're novices in this or, uh, um, yeah, we're just sort of, we're not counselors. I'm not a counselor. I can do pastoral counseling, but regularly my joke is, with people that come to me for counseling, like, well, I'm free. You don't have to pay me, uh, but I'm free because I'm not good. <laughs> like I'm crap, but I'm free. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas there's a reason people go and, and experience counseling. No good counselor will try and keep you locked in the past moment. Like yeah. they'll always try and bring healing. Now it may take time. They may ask you to talk through all of the things that you experience, but never to just leave you there. Never just for rumination. Always yeah. to find out what are strategies that might bring healing of that trauma, might bring new opportunities for the future, might bring you into the present day. So, so I think that like it's all about the direction. Is is the goal of thinking through the past to stay there? For some people, if they're honest, it is. They have no plan or no hope of moving forward. There's no strategy. They yeah. live in the past. So, so the the fascinating thing to me with memory, and and the, I nearly included this in the sermon, but I was I was all out of space. And so, part of the beauty of this podcast is what what got cut. Uh, the the um, Malcolm Gladwell is a writer that I love. He kind of does. I wouldn't say he's a historian, but I also wouldn't say he's not a historian. I wouldn't say he's a philosopher, but I also wouldn't say he's not a philosopher. Like he he brings all these together and tries to the create researcher. these like macro ideas that kind of sit over lots of different things yeah and one of the things he taps into in one of his books is is memory so people used to assume that memory was a read-only file you accessed it and it was always the same every time um and and so what they did is after 9 11 they asked people in the month afterwards to write down their experience of 9 11 and then a year, two years later, they went back to those people and asked them what happened in 9-11, like what their experience was. These were all New Yorkers, all downtown Man- or Manhattan people. And their accounts were wildly different. And then they showed them what they'd written in the month afterwards, and they didn't believe they'd written it. Or they believed they were lying, and they couldn't figure out why they were lying. And so they have all these people like, "I lied to you. I don't. I don't know why I lied, but that's not what happened. That's not where I was." Um, and, and so what happens with with memory? Wow, so like drastically, different drastically details. different. Like like like, like stuff I like I was in a different location. Yeah, yeah. Like there was one guy who believed like I, I flew out of New York the next day, um, and then they went back to him and said, "Well, no, no, the airport was closed for a week." Like, and, and he's like, no, but remember, I came to your house and I said, I'm flying tomorrow. And it was actually two different events that he'd turned into one event. They were, they were, it wasn't like drastically different in the like, no, no, the thing, the event, the main event never happened, but all of the details around it were different. Yeah. And wow. so wow. what it starts to show us is that actually memories are not read only files. They actually are changed every time you access them. That, that's why you can have people give that, a witness. That's going to mess with my head. Yeah, hopefully. That, that's why you, it's giving you something to work through on retreat, right? Great. Um, <laughs> this is what I had planned. <laughs> the year 2024 will be all about me rewriting my memory. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, yeah, every time you, you access it, it, it changes just a little bit. That's why when people get up and give witness testimony, they're not always lying, at least in their, their, own mind they would pass a lie detector test but the information isn't always as accurate as they think it is they're trying to give accurate information their understanding of the information has just changed so so there's there's actually some health and some negative points to that like one when you remember something that brings shame or guilt or sadness um any of those bad emotions or those negative emotions we might talk about you may not be as accurate in the memory as you think you are. So, so you may picture someone you had a conversation with and, and you remember, oh no, they just, they, they were like pulling this face and they, I could tell that they hated me and that they never wanted to talk to me again. And you're like, yeah, maybe, 
but also maybe you changed that memory just a little bit and now the reaction looks different to you than it really was at the time yeah it also it also means on the plus side the thing that you're talking about where you go back and you get to picture jesus in that situation with you and, and think about where he was well, actually, yes, eventually when you go back and exercise, uh, exercise those memories, because it's not just read-only, you do get to tap into Jesus in that situation with you. Yeah. So there's this beautiful little story about a Russian kid who were, he, he emigrated to America, and he was in Sunday school. He had a traumatic background. The teacher was showing him pictures of the class pictures of Jesus one day, because he really didn't know much about faith at all, growing up in a communist worldview, um, and showed him a picture of Jesus and said, who's this to the class? And the story goes that the kid said, that's the man that sat in the room the night my daddy shot my mommy. Um, now, now, maybe actually that's the the actual story. Maybe that was real. No reason it couldn't be. Yeah. But also maybe there's been a narrative to him as well that's reminded him, no, Jesus was there even in that terrible moment. And now his memory says, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, hmm. Either way, it's this thing that's bringing healing to him because the memory's changing. Yeah. Fascinating. So all, yeah, all just interesting. So, how, which, how is, which I think just reiterates why a series like this is so important. And, um, you know, we'll, we cycle back to this kind of theme yeah, regularly as, yeah. A, as a church, because um, emotional, emotional intelligence, emotional health is such a massive marker of maturity in the yeah. way of Jesus, because you aren't going to meet someone who's like extremely mature yeah. in the faith that has that like aura about them where you can just sense that they live in the mm-hmm. presence of God who also hasn't done deep emotional work. Yeah, it just doesn't. And the two, the two like, have to go hand in hand. Someone can memorize the Bible and not do emotional work, and they will not be a mature follower yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. So data input is not the, the way forward. It's it's about learning how to process the inner soul world uh-huh. and why am I behaving the way I'm behaving and all yes. of these sorts of things. Yeah. If you and affects. if you if you want to work on some of that, uh, a great book that I've actually just been listening to on audio book over the, uh, like every night at the moment, because there's just some stuff I wanted to really sink into my st- soul uh, is a book called Abba's child by Brennan Manning. Mm. Uh, and he really has this beautiful focal point on, um, I'll say it. Abba, 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 Abba for those few English speakers. Abba, Abba, Abba. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I, you said it um, quick enough that I wasn't that, sure if they caught it. Abba's child. Um, the ABBA, right? <laughs> Is Are that we on like a page? rhyme structure? I don't know. I don't know. So, so he he just really lands on that space of emotional healing in Jesus um, in a really beautiful way, and I, I I just recommend it to people as maybe a processing point that starts to bring emotion out. One of the stories he shares in it is uh, around Mike Giaconelli, the founder of youth specialties who'd done amazing things for jesus really launched this whole network of youth ministry programming yeah uh, and and went on a five-day retreat out to lords and in the midst of it said there was an encounter with jesus that brought healing emotionally and he said the change the switch in how he heard jesus speak to him regularly was was extraordinary Hmm. Like, you know, you know, it wasn't a conversion experience, but it was also a conversion experience. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, that, 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 the tagline, I think, for emotionally healthy spirituality is something like you can't be spiritually healthy without being emotionally healthy. Yeah. And so it's also the reason why we'll never be a church that only does book studies. Like, like there's some people that would say, why can't we just pick a book of the Bible, do sermons on it? That covers everything you need. And the answer is, well, well, it can. Over the course of like four years uh-huh. or five years or, or something. even yeah. longer, right? Yeah, but, probably, but yeah, yeah. but some, yeah, sometimes there's this need to focus intensely on something for a few weeks to allow people to really process it. And that yeah. works far better when you pull different elements of scripture and see what its whole voice is saying. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, 
Do you mind if I give like a personal illustration yes. of some of this but no, I right mean, now? No, you should do that. But I yes. Don't mind. So I'm going on a silent retreat this afternoon after this podcast. Uh, you've and not mentioned that before. That's fascinating. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm processing right now that I know I need to do some work on, and this surfaced a couple times over the last several weeks, uh, the question mark, and like it even surfaced more heavily this morning um, for me, which I'm realizing that there's something in me, some some emotional disorder in me that's preventing me from showing up more uh, fully to people that I don't, um, that I'm not already super close with. Like oh. I, I'm, prov- I'm almost stiff arming potential future friendships. Wow. And I'm, and it even shows up in how I interact in the lobby hmm. and I've noticed it. And for a while, for much for, I've noticed some of it for several years and just sort of wrote it off as like, this is an inevitable byproduct of uh, some trauma that took place over the last few years. A ton of people left South Mm -hmm. left South after Ryan left and during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so that put a wound in me that like, if you're staying, I'll invest in this relationship. If you're not staying, I have no time for you. And you're going to have to show me that you're staying somehow first. Somehow stay long enough. Prove that you're going to stay long enough. Yeah. Like, don't get another job. Yeah. Like, don't provide for your family better by moving out of state. Like, <laughs> so you see how the emotional disorder yeah. takes place. But the end result is like, if I'm saying hello to you in the lobby, you may not get the full me. Yeah. Because I'm like, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a problem. Yes. And I've heard uh, specifically about one person who thinks that I don't like them. Maybe just because I I wasn't sure if that relationship was going to survive yes. long enough for me to invest. Yeah, it's also I think it might be one of the reasons why I struggle with names. I'm like, I'll learn your name if you stay long enough. <laughs> and I'm like, so what, wait, you're not like Ron Swanson, who's like, I'm gonna get people's names wrong so they know, they yeah, know yeah. they mean nothing <laughs> yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah. It's more like, but you see, there's like, there's some stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. So now I've like, it's surfaced to the top and I feel like Jesus is inviting me. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Let's, That's brilliant. Let's yeah. talk about that because it comes from my whole life. Like yeah. I grew up as a missionary kid. So I was moving city, moving countries mm-hmm. once every two to three years. So establishing new relationships constantly. And like, so there's a, it, it might be years of processing yeah. for me to like unearth some of those trauma moments and then give them back over to Jesus. And I have no answers for you yet. I'm just being vulnerable before you say, this is something I'm dealing with and it surfaced enough. And now I feel like on this island retreat, one of the questions I'm going to say to Jesus in, in my quiet time to say, yeah, God, what's up with that? Why am I doing this? But I also, I love that one, you, you start, you, I think you've always had a good awareness of, yeah, losing some really close friends definitely hurts. And you guys had some good couples friends that moved on and stuff, yeah. right? I mean, there was some like people. And that then it was like, like not, it wasn't even bad stuff. Yeah. But I just like, for some reason, there's a roadblock in me. Yeah. Now. So I think there's there's those things that it's good to be aware of. Again, it's that going into the past to bring healing to it. I have this theory and I don't, I'd love to hear a, a real psychologist or counselor talk about it. I have a feeling that almost every trauma is less dangerous when you realize it or when you, you kind of like have some sense of, no, that happened. I think it can make life very difficult in yeah. the short term, but it does. I mean, even for you, it gives you this opportunity to say, oh, I realize that's how I can come off. Um, I, I, I'm going to work to show people that I'm interested or to pick a few people to intentionally build friendships with, yeah. even though I know the risk. I realized I, I we had a, a friend that lived here that moved away. Um, they at one point interviewed for a job. And I realized during that process, as soon as people try and step into that circle, as soon as that's on the table, I, I just, re- I withdraw from them. Like, I'm just like, I'm just going to leave that process to play out. You guys, the, there's a there's a team that are figuring that out. I'm not in it. Yeah. But I'm just going to give it space. So so I'm not going to be calling you, inviting you out for breakfast in this season. I'm not going to be doing any of those things that we might have done in the past. Interesting. So when it happened again, 
I actually went to the person and said, hey, I just know from past experience, this is what I do in that season. So I, I, I just want to make so sure. So you want to get breakfast? I'm going to fight against I actually didn't say that. No, I okay. just said, I just said, know that like, if you call me, great. If you enter into that still, but I also realize you might need space in that. Like there's a whole like question yeah, mark. Say in it the out loud. Now. Acknowledge the challenge. So, yeah. so when, when they have the potential to sit there and say, oh man, like Alex doesn't even talk to me anymore. Yeah. They can at least be like, oh yeah, but I know why. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. So, uh, well, so maybe to, to reiterate some of the illustrations of what you were trying to get at on Sunday is maybe a year ago, I would have been like, that's a completely fine way of showing up. Yes. Yeah. I, the wound was too close for me to even acknowledge that it was a bad thing. Yeah. I, I went through this. Yeah. It's a trauma. Yeah. This is how I am. There was no plan yeah, yeah, yeah. for actually yeah, dealing yeah. with it. And maybe because of some healing and because of some friendships that have established more recently where I'm like, no, there, there can be hope. And probably because of some wounds that I've, I perceived that I'm afflicting on other people mm. that are really amazing. Yeah, people. Yeah. I'm like, now I feel like some of this retreat, a portion of this retreat will be me trying to make mm. a current plan mm. uh, to deal with that trauma rather than just saying, this is just how I am. Deal with it. Yeah. That's not a posture that's necessarily healthy in the way of Jesus. It's just saying like, yeah, it stinks. Sometimes I'm rude to people. Deal with it. Yes. I'm, I'm traumatized. But isn't and isn't that fascinating? Like how you. So it's always dangerous to lift an Old Testament scripture and say this is for every person. But I always think like it's so interesting in Isaiah 53. God says to a group of people, uh, "Do not remember the former things. Like you know they've passed away. Behold, yeah. I'm doing a new thing." Um. While it's for a specific group of people in a specific historical setting, just looking around the world, like you just see ways that there's some truth in that that's, that's universal. I used to work at a church in, in Michigan. Um, we went through some amazing times together. There was a, a staff team that still is one of those staff teams. I look back, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like the fact that those people gathered around a table every week is just stunning. Like yeah. there is some incredible gifting there. Um, and then within about four months, I think four of us left out of the eight hmm. or seven, like there was a big shift there. And one of those staff people had been at the church for 31 years. She was like a linchpin for so many people. I was the youth pastor. I had a distinct like group of people. I preached fairly often. That was uh, like people liked that. It was a change of pace. It, yeah. you know, it was a, there were some good things that had happened. Church had grown. It felt really healthy. And then there was this moment where it felt like a load of life was sucked out of it and I actually went back. And there was COVID as well, all those different things. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like a ghost town. This feels so unhealthy. It feels like something that's like, Mm. that's that's dying but the lead pastor stuck around like he stayed and he kept working and he kept growing he actually entered into a load of this emotionally healthy leadership stuff he really yeah. tapped into that and and then i went back not long ago and i'm like oh my goodness it's a lot this is amazing there's like so yeah. much life here and and there was actually this moment where one of the staff members on on stage that wasn't there when I was there made a joke about another staff member and everyone in the church like chuckled along and it was this fun moment. I'm like, there's four, life. five, six years ago, that would have been me that was either making the joke or the butt of the joke. And and now like, yeah, I'll have people. I don't even know these people, but there's life th here. There's, yeah, yeah. I, may, I maybe know 40 to 50, 50 to 60% of people. And, and I'll still have people text me saying, we miss you or we love you or all those different things. But I'm like, oh, you guys are okay. Yeah. And I love that. I love that God has, has changed that narrative and he's brought new things out of old things. Um, and he does that as individuals and he does that for, for churches that are willing to stay and work with him. Yeah. To process the past and move into the new. So one, one of the things that gave me hope to go on a journey and even explore some of this, and, and this is an ongoing thing for me, but like I thought of Dan Elliott. Yeah. yeah. So Dan's has been a part of South's when there was a thousand people yeah. here. And then it was all the way down to 180, then back up to six or 700, then uh -huh. back down. And I'm like, this guy has said goodbye to so many yeah. people. Amazing people. Yeah. 
And yet he has this posture of open handedness where he sees them, some of them who leave, maybe even some who leave, you know, with challenges and stuff. And he just embraces people so well. And I was like, there is a way to say goodbye well, because uh-huh. I see Dan do it. Yeah. So I need to figure out that way. Yeah. Well, actually, Danny's one of those people that when I think like, what does emotionally healthy look like? Like, and I could be wrong. Like he, he knows himself, I'm sure better than I do, but I'm like, maybe he's a basket case yeah, under yeah, maybe. the surface. He's, he's just, got us all fooled. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, and I'm sure he won't. He was on the phone when we were in the office earlier yeah. and he, he was talking to a, a, a car dealership and he sounded kind of grumpy. And I'm like, I'm almost relieved. Like, like, just like you are, it's good. To, you're a real boy. That's like, <laughs> so he's, yeah, you're right. It's just like, there is, and a, and a good friend of mine who served in a church a long time, she always said to me, Alex, like, you will not believe the joy there is in staying, um, like, and staying a long time. Because at that point, I'd, I think I'd done 10 years in a church in England. That's a long time. Yeah. And then six years in a church in Michigan, and then two years in a church in New York, which is a weird, like, you know, weird blip almost. Uh, and then came here. And, and came here with this premise of um, we're looking for a community we can stay like 20, 30 years in and, and start to know people on those levels. Yeah. There'll always be moments in that where you, you tell yourself, oh, it'd be easier to fix this in a, in a brand new situation. Yeah. It'd be easier to start again with, you know, wherever. Yeah. And, and it's very rarely true. It's the classic grass is greener. Yep. Parable. It's it, it's the it's easy to tell yourself in a marriage. It would be easier to just start again. Yep. And it's easy to tell yourself like, like the good stuff's usually on the other side of working through it. Yes. Not ditching yeah. it. And so and so yeah. with, with yourself, like, well, what's the danger there? Like, well, there is no new that you can tell yourself that oh, it'd be easier if only. Like, what can you do? Yep. You might convince yourself, oh, in a different setting, I'd be different. That might be your out. But in reality, you're always going to be you. You're going to take your stuff wherever you go. Like the yeah. same challenges I have as a pastor. If I went to a church in California, same challenges would be there. Yep. Because I'm good at some stuff and I'm not good at some stuff. So, so the thing that you actually, the emotionally healthy thing for me to hold on to has been, yeah, actually like. I have to learn to do some stuff I don't love doing sometimes. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think like um, we're meandering around, I guess this feels like this emotional conversation or something uh, meandering through the emotions. It's, it's, it's hard, but um, pinpointing like what's even under the surface mm. sometimes. But like, I think one of the things that's I'm experiencing a lot of joy in leadership right now. Um, and part of the reason is because, this feels a little bit sadistic, but I, there was certain dreams that I had for South mm. in worship culture, leadership style, all these things for, for me that just weren't coming to fruition, weren't coming mm. to fruition. And it was like little start and then fall apart and then little start and then fall apart. And then I had this like aha moment that sounds maybe sadistic. And I was like, I'm the problem. <laughs> I'm the common denominator in this, in this situation what if I just stopped doing the the things that I'm doing? Mm. How do I intentionally disrupt my own leadership? Mm. And what it allowed me to do is to genuinely invite other leaders into Mm. my team in such a way that it forced me to let go of some things. But I had to be skeptical that I could take me now. And then the beauty of actually doing that is then I don't know. I don't have to dream inside the boundaries of my own capacity. Yeah. Anymore. I can dream inside the boundaries of my leadership team's capacity, which are like, which is way bigger. Yes. Way, way, way bigger than my own capacity. But I also think it's like, it's, it also, what the interesting thing I've seen with that is it's freed you up to actually participate more in preaching. Yeah. In some of those other things. Which that, I didn't like, see that on the horizon. I just knew that I had certain dreams and I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried, I tried. Mm-hmm. What if I'm the problem? Yeah. That great Taylor Swift line. Yeah, it's yeah, me. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the problem. problem. It's, it's me. me. Yeah, and that song yeah. came out right around the time. I was like, yes, that's it. Yeah. Maybe I'm the problem. And not problem in the sense that like I'm evil or I'm doing something horrible or yeah. my leadership is bad. It's actually the fact that I'm trying to control something that God's asking me to invite someone else mm. into. 
and then well anyway and that but that 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 is true in so many situations there's a there's a pastor i know back in in uh in michigan again different pastor he pastors a huge church like fourteen thousand people um and and he is deeply passionate about their wednesday night program Uh, and he's participated in it every year taught in it chased after it and he said we just couldn't break a certain number of people participating like such a fraction of the community i just couldn't couldn't get over it and he said so i pulled out said like okay i'm gonna like i'm gonna step back and someone else took it over said now it's thriving it's growing it's like it's like it's wonderful like brad is such a gifted leader such a gifted speaker and and one of those guys that can stand in front of 5,000 people and make him feel, make you feel like he knows you. Yeah. Like he's got a personal connection to you. This was a thing he loved, deeply wanted to see happen. And you look on the surface, you're like, you are so gifted and should be able to make this happen in your own strength. If I was to design Uh this, I would pick him for this role, doing the very thing he's doing and yet it didn't work. Didn't work. He stepped out and grew. Yeah, so I think, I think so that's weird. just, I th- and I think that maybe is some of God's humor towards our gifting and our sense of what we can achieve. Yeah, and yeah. But, anyway, but, that, that's a that could be a whole other rabbit trail of conversation. But we have fifteen minutes left to be at an hour, perfect. and we have two questions left, and we're going to get through those in fifteen minutes. I feel it. Perfect. All right. So we actually had a question come in on TikTok, which I need to pull up because uh, I have it in a different. Good old TikTok. So this was uh, a little short clip was posted from your sermon Mm. i don't think it was this last week but it was from the previous week and i think you were talking a little bit about like um you know achievement and not resting on your laurels and all this sort of stuff and so the question came in without seeing the rest of the sermon it was very respectful that's exactly what god did he achieves 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 and then on and then on the on the seventh day he rested, or in other words, he rested mm-hmm. on his laurels. Yeah. So, is God saying don't achieve, even though that's what exactly is like? Shouldn't we work really, really hard and then rest? So or this, yeah. On this earth, let's work really, really mm-hmm. hard, and then in eternity we get yeah, to rest yeah. on our laurels yeah. and that sort of thing. So, and this is a fascinating element to me of emotionally healthy spirituality, and and also like. A, I wouldn't understand what God did in Genesis chapter one in those terms as achievement in that sense. So, so it is achievement in the sense that something happens. Yes. But there's a difference between achievement that comes out of who you are and your achievement doesn't affect your identity. So the, the struggle that most humans have is the doing is the identity. Yeah. Like I'm doing, and that is how I know who I am. Yeah. Um, and actually the Barbie movie is brilliant for this. Like, like, I don't know if yeah. you've seen it, but it taps into like, Ken has no purpose. Yeah. Like Ken only has a good day when Barbie looks at him. Yeah. Um, and, and so he's like, well, what do I do? Like, what's my thing? She doesn't, yeah. She doesn't want to hang out with me. No. Like, yeah. So it's, uh, it, and, it, and it's a beautiful, like <laughs> beautiful view into the human life that, that requires almost something to do. So somewhere healthy spirituality lands on, on being, not doing. I am who God made me to be and called me to be like, I am who I am because he is who he is and yeah. he named me and made me. Um, and he redeemed me and he now loves me or he yeah. has always loved me. So, so God's achievement, that's not where he gets his identity from. As far as I can tell, like yeah. as far as scriptures, his activity he, flows out of it. Yeah. He is who he is. He, I will be who I will be. And he's always been that. And and he exists in this beautiful threeness and oneness at the same time in constant relationship with himself. Yeah. And yet he still chose to make himself a people and a world. Uh, and so he doesn't achieve, 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 achieve and rest on his laurels. He actually is who he is and he works. And then he, and then he models rest for us and then continues to work. Yeah. So, yeah. And... Yeah, there's so many things different about the creation story for this. That's one. Mm-hmm. The other one is he goes back to work. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. yeah. And then, so it's not like he just, and can you imagine God, um, if he's like, create, 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 do, maybe they'll think this yeah. is cool. Maybe they'll think this. And then seventh day he rests. And then like, he's like, what do you guys think? Did I do, did I do okay? Am yeah, I, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, oh, do, or, or am I cool like, enough? I'm like, kick back, like, it, 
did you like the giraffe thing? <laughs> please, please. Yeah. Oh, they didn't like that one. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a loser. Nobody's like, talking that's... to the hippo. No. It's so sad. Like, so that's not the posture God has. He creates out of the abundance yes. of his identity yeah. rather than being like trying to impress anyone. And so it'd be, it'd yeah. be, it would be kind of a weird deist viewpoint to read it as he achieved, 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 and then rested on his laurels. That would be like the clockmaker or the watchmaker analogy of like, yeah, he made it. And then he just kind of went back and he just sat around and he's just like, yeah, that's things. No, God, if anything, we know from scripture, God is constantly participating in his world. Yeah. Um, constantly shaping the other, it. The other difference is uh, it was pretty effortless, actually, for him. <laughs> he's like, you know, uh, you know, light. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And it's good. Um, you know, yeah. Ocean. Yeah. Done. You know, it's like not a whole lot of effort was involved yeah. necessarily. So I, I, so. You know, I, I don't know the, the person that asked the question and we, we probably yeah. don't even know if we can contact them, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's what I would, I would say. It's not quite the same. Yeah. Uh, so, but I get the tension in the, in the question there. Um, I, so I went through a season again, another emotional journey thing. So uh-huh. an illustration, uh, I went through a season where, most of my younger life, all the way up until I was maybe upper thirties, most of my life was driven by trying to impress people. Mm, like, yeah. Um, and you know, that still lingers under the surface of me, but whatever, but the, but this was how I lived. Like now by God's grace, a lot of the people I was trying to impress were amazing, God fearing, God following Mm -hmm. people. So the things I was doing looked really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the actual drive behind it was like, I, I, I serve on missions. What do you guys think? Mm. Am I cool yet? Yeah, yeah. Do you think I'm an awesome follower of Jesus yet? Yeah. And then when God started retiring that motivation, mm. I, I had no energy to do anything. Yeah. Like, it, like who, if I'm not trying to impress anyone, I don't want to do anything. So uh-huh. then I was like lazy, yeah. didn't want to read my Bible. Like, and uh, a, a wise friend of mine told me like, yes, they're impressing or people pleasing is a powerful engine. Mm. A lot of stuff can happen mm-hmm. with that engine in your yeah. soul. When you re- remove that engine, yeah. you're going to need a new engine yeah. in your soul yeah, yeah. to get anything done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that sounds right. What's the new engine? And it mm-hmm. took me a long time to mm-hmm. say the new engine comes from my identity in Christ and the love that he has yeah. for me. And, but it's no longer achievement because I'm not trying to impress anyone. It's yeah. like, I'm going to show up and do, do the right thing um, because think, it's coming from the abundance of the joy that I have in, in And in I think Christ. if anything has the potential to push you into the people pleasing or the achievement cycle in church ministry life, it is paid ministry. Yeah. I, I mean, by nature, like people vote with their feet, people vote with their wallets, people vote with their things that they post on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, depending on the size of the church. Like, yeah. So, so you, you also don't have this ability to say, do you know what? Yeah, my soul isn't feeling super healthy this week or isn't feeling like, it just doesn't feel like it's coming out of like who I am. Uh, I'm just not going to preach this week. Like it's not like authentic. Friday, like it doesn't feel authentic. I'm probably just going to like, yeah, just, that that doesn't feel like a, a a a thing that you can do. Yeah. So so like I've had a lot of worship leaders leave leading worship because they're like, I I was saying things about God in worship songs like I trust you, I believe yeah, yeah, you, you're yeah, amazing. Yeah. Meanwhile, I what I'm feeling is I doubt you. Uh-huh. I'm hurting, yeah. and I think you left me, and yes. you're too silent. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like I wasn't being authentic. And, uh, yeah, the, a lot of people just can't stomach that for, yeah. in ministry for so, too long. So you kind of end up in this space potentially where you, uh, where you, where you don't feel healthy or honest or authentic. And, and I think that's why as, as pastors, you have to take space to nurture your soul, like going on retreats yeah. and, and taking that time to. Yeah. One little other tip on that front is, uh, this, the passage in Romans chapter seven, helps me so much when I'm in that space, when I'm not feeling it, when I'm not feeling celebratory and I'm singing a celebratory mm-hmm. song. Uh, Cause in, in Romans seven, Paul talks about like this almost schizophrenic person yeah. in, him, in himself. I want to do what I don't want to do. I do what I do, but mm-hmm. like all this section in Romans seven and essentially what he's saying is I have an inner man that is passionate about God, thinks properly about him 
has an emotional health because of the spirit of God's work in my life, that is a part of who mm. I am in Christ. Yeah. And then there's this fleshly man in me that's like, I doubt God. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling it right now. Yeah. And so when I'm not feeling it on the mm-hmm. surface, I tell, I remind myself that because of the work of God in me, there's a part of who I actually am that can affirm the truth of this song mm. or affirm the truth of this sermon with yes. every ounce. Of, so am I, di- am I, that's, I'm being authentic to yeah. that part of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't feel that part of me right and I think, now. I think one of the thing, like tiny little thing I would say is around this whole subject of emotionally healthy spirituality. One of the greatest, greatest things C.S. Lewis ever said, I think, was this was this moment in the screw tape letters where he he observed that the the devil's goal is to get you to spend a lot of time thinking about how you feel about God or or what like emotions you're feeling about God or how God might be feeling about you instead of focusing on God himself. Yeah. Like so like that pull to be like, "Oh, am I feeling trusting right now?" Like to overanalyze that yeah. constantly is not a healthy believe thing. This thing, yeah. yeah, and actually, like, like to be able to turn that to to bring that to your creator and say, God, if I was to base it on my feelings, my faith, my faith does not feel very strong right now. I would love your gift of faith, um, and and to be able to bring that and release it to God instead of overanalyzing it, um, is a, is a real gift yeah. in spiritual life. We got one more question. One more question. So this I'm question, three minutes. Yes, uh, this question is basically on the um, on one fourteen. We had new members brought on stage, and I've recently started uh, attending South. Can you explain uh, what is membership at South entail? Specifically, mm. why is there membership, and do members serve a specific role in the organization yeah. or the church? So, great question. So it's a great good question. question. Yeah, really good question. We give all new members a new car. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a partnership with that's McDonald's. That's a lie. I lied on the been, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so membership is, and I think I said this on Sunday, it's fascinating to me. We have some members that act more like non-members and some non-members that very much act like members. It's, it's a low-key membership in lots of ways in that we don't have special rights for members. It's not, we're, we're not a voting congregation. Yeah, so that's we, not our we church. vote on almost nothing. The theology term is yeah. polity. That's yeah, not yeah, our yeah. polity, our governance. So I can't think, thinking through our book of order, uh, our bylaws for a second, I can't think of a single issue that a vote is required on. Um, and I think the only one that I think is there maybe is that if the elder board dismisses a lead pastor, as in me, I think I can ask for a congregational vote and there has to be like 75% approval or something. I think that might be there, but I, I could be wrong on that as well. I'm going to go check afterwards. Yeah. But, but there's very there's very little voting, whereas lots of other churches, you know, let's pick a good example. So in, in South, the community and not just L, uh, members, but anybody can nominate potential elders. And then those elders are decided by the current group of elders in lots of churches with similar backgrounds. The lead pastor nominates potential elders and then the community votes yes or no on those, those same elders. So there's nothing like that, that membership allows you to do. Anyone can come to our annual general meeting again, no voting there, but, but anyone can come, anyone can yeah. listen. Members don't approve the budget. Members don't, yeah. yeah. So so, so really what membership is, is, is membership is the ability of a person to say, in my, my wandering and my decision-making around church, I feel like South is the place that God has called me to find us home in the next season. That means that for me to move on, it's going to require something significant, like some obvious sinfulness within the the life of of key leaders or, or some clear breaking with scripture on some really hard line stuff uh, or it's going to take him very clearly leading me to a new community and 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 sharing with me that it's time to leave I, what i'm not going to do is just be here just because oh like i'm i'm a consumer i like alex's teaching or i like the way aaron leads worship and the day that those things aren't there probably just think about moving to another community like uh 
transfer portal in a college yeah. football system. It's saying, no, for whatever reason, God's God's called me here. And primarily now my focus isn't just what I might get from it. It's how can I bring everything I am to this community? So whatever you think of yourself as a listener right now or the person that asked the question, even if you have a low opinion of himself, well, you have giftings that God has given you. Yeah. You have resources that God has given you, whether that's time, whether that's finance. Um, and so membership is saying, I am coming to this community to share what I have with this wider community. Yeah. And that what I'd love from that community in return is I'd love discipleship. I'd love to be led deeper into the way of Jesus. So this is me putting up my hand and saying, please help me. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. That, that means that actually, I'm on board with yeah, this. Yeah. And that means what you're actually asking for is you're actually asking for me and then the team of staff and then the elders to, when they see something in your life that isn't in the way of Jesus, say, Hey, like that doesn't look like the way of Jesus to us. Yeah. Not in a, not in a judgmental way, but in a way that honors your waving of a hand and saying, please disciple me in the way of Jesus. That fundamentally is the ask of every person who chooses membership. Yes. And then uh, there's also a powerful thing that the membership offers the elders Mm -hmm. and the staff. It's helpful to know who that list of people is who say I'm in. Yeah. Because um, like who, who are we responsible to shepherd in the way of Jesus? Mm -hmm. Um, And if you were to say like, who are those people, you know, there's sort of like a, because of that membership process, there's sort of like, these are the people who say, yes, I'm on board to be led in that way. And then it's also a responsibility that the elders and the staff have before God to say, are we shepherding that community mm-hmm. of people or not? And knowing who they are is mm-hmm. helpful mm-hmm. on both sides. So it's sort of that, um, that sort of covenant commitment between the two, the between the staff, between the community and itself and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Hopefully so that's helpful. I think that if you're thinking about membership, that's the, that's the nudge. It's like, yeah, it is a, to me a waving of the hand saying, I'm in, please be in on me. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, we covered a whole bunch of different conversations. Um, we did. And I've got to go be silent for a few days and figure out what in the world's going on inside of me. Good for you. <laughs> See y'all. See ya. See ya.